Welcome to Witnessing Wild Wisdom. My name is Liam, and for those of you who don't know me, I'm a young wandering weaver of sorts. I enjoy very much to travel and to connect with communities and people who are doing inspiring projects and have some positive perspectives to share. Over the last six years, I've been journeying outwards to different parts of the planet and attempting to awaken my authentic awareness of the world and my place in it. I was inspired on my journeys to get more curious about people and to ask questions and to find out different ways that people have engaged in their environments and their ecosystems and their communities to make a positive impact. So I'd like to say a big thank you to all the beautiful beings that I've met um, these last years of traveling who have shared their stories, shared their perspectives, and radically changed the way I see the world and inspire me to want to bring more of these perspectives to others to offer a window for those who are curious about different lands, different beliefs, different ideas on how to live life and and also just different practices on engaging actively with our world. I decided to stop my formal education at 20 years old, halfway through a degree in political science that inspired no passion in me, but I was following the, the motions and the ideas that were presented to me as the way to go about living, but I didn't feel good doing this. I, I struggled a lot with... Uh, doubt and anxiety and eventually I just decided well I'm not going to continue getting in debt and you know dig myself into a hole that I can't get out of before I even know what's going on and what I who I am and what I like doing so I decided to take a backpack and go traveling at 20 and this first step is really what's led me down the path that I'm now on, which is a very long story that maybe I can tell to you over time. But the essential essence of it is that I've awakened to my authentic awareness of myself, who I am, what I like, and and share that with others because I'm really curious about other people all the time I'm looking searching 
to not only connect but to find the beauty that that becomes apparent when we really are deeply there and relating with each other from a place of peace this is what makes me tick and this is why i've called this podcast witness wild wisdom because what i what i feel i do in life is just lit listen and witness and when i do this well it's so beautiful there's nothing to be said and i've recorded now seven conversations already so i'm i'm happy having this bit of a buffer to start uploading on a regular basis you can expect a, a podcast a week as well as uh virtual reality videos that are related for example um this podcast with lorenzo is going to be very much related with these videos we're making right now on the sustainable system he's created here on his agroforestry cacao farm with the local mayan communities and his wife who's mayan they've made uh, this beautiful thriving ecosystem and so we'd like to show the world a little bit about how they manage the water because that's a really essential element and the soil you know to transform these extractive agricultural practices and fuse them together with with cultivating a forest and a succession of plants and trees that really bring the diversity and fullness and richness of life to its back to its potential before we meddle too much and yeah i'm very very happy at this moment i feel like the the world is is connected and at home right now and looking for inspiration and empowerment and we have all the solutions available in the collective sphere it's all there it's just i think a matter of pivoting our practices and you know redistributing where we're putting our energy um to service these localized maybe revolutionary community-based organizations rather than our global institutional systems which are very much collapsing and if we don't want to be crushed under that collapse we need to plug into the network and the grassroots movements that are happening everywhere I really encourage you to get involved and to get connected with Lorenzo and I'll try to bring you as much uh, as rich resources as I can and share the positive perspectives that I'm encountering. Thank you very much for listening. It's a real honor to do this. I I'm excited to finally jump into it and yeah, I hope you get as much out of it as I do. Be well. Lots of love from Guatemala. Pollinate the new paradigm and we'll compost Babylon. Pollinate the new Culture revolution, it's an evolution.
beets and kale. Arugula, beets and kale, and beets and kale, and beets and kale. Inoculate the old beer based mind. Our network is now online. Inoculate the old fear based mind. Yet to love the light, we open our eyes. Redistribution is evolution. It's a revolution beyond pollution. Oh, yeah, redistribution is evolution. It's a revolution beyond pollution. Disbelieve the tales. Yeah, so thank you very much for taking the time to, to meet with me and uh, to share some of the work that you're doing and share this beautiful space that you've made. I'm glad you, um, I'm glad you come. I'm glad you're interested. Yeah, well, I think uh, anytime I see evidence of ways that we can work with nature and, uh, and you know, it, in a very low impact, local way, create something very beautiful, whether it be a shelter or a way to sustain ourselves or, you know, the, I think the first thing I had uh, that uh, got me connected with your work was the cacao that Bruno had. This amazing, like, a whole nother level of chocolate experience, which was just, I mean, maybe you could explain how you came about working with cacao and, and just getting to the essence in the... Well, first I want to address the, the, the first point you were mentioning uh, about um, creating beautiful things with, uh, locally I, and more organically and work with nature. This um, basically require, requires time mm. and 
uh, awareness of your surrounding. Most people now here we're too busy. We um, we close our um, our perceptions and we reduce it and into focusing into whatever we're doing. That makes us less aware of the availability and possibilities, the materials, the whatever can be used to make beautiful things. Mm. And uh, and because in general, uh, uh, natural things are not squared and straight, uh, it takes more time to work with it. Uh, and more dedication. But I guess the result is worth it. Um, and the 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 consequence or the the uh, feedback it has the impact it has uh, uh, around uh, on nature is in general much less in terms of bad consequences and at the same time more inspiring to human beings uh, to to do uh, connected things to be inspired them you know this is um, uh, what used to be in cities, everything was beautiful a, hundred, a few hundred years ago. People had more time and caring to, uh, to do something that would be nice to the, ear, to the eye mm -hmm. so that you could uh, just walk in a city and feel wonders. Now, uh, this is a bit changed i would say you see big uh marketing uh flashy whatever in cities often uh, and buildings are not done with art they're yeah. done for other reasons and this has an impact on us so i think uh, uh, co-creating or uh, fixing your environment in a way that it can inspires you is is one of the basic and first uh, thing to do if you want to be uh, productive, if you want to do other things, uh, it's better to be surrounded by beauty. Yeah, it's like the foundation for which then you can, you know, continue and do more. Be you... inspired to do anything else. Huh? Yeah. When you're in a dark hole, it's difficult to be inspired to do, to do nice things, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but so this was my first part of my life uh, in San Marcos. I, um, I created these houses, uh, this, this place. Uh, and, uh, and when I first came to, to San Marcos about 20 years ago, and the lake around in uh, Antigua, I realized that there was not more, not much chocolate and cacao was not very present. And I had always been wondering why and how come and where is it and uh, how come. And uh, but I kind of left it aside and I was I would have liked to uh, to do more cacao. I've tried planting a few cacao trees here. I mean, I did and uh, it's not a good climate. Huh? And so I kind of left it on pause. And uh, years later, as I was building this house, for example, I realized how much how much trees I was cutting down. 
uh, how like how was my impact as I was going along doing what I like to do, building houses, creating spaces, but aware also of the consequences mm. and and becoming more aware also that this is, was obviously a worldwide um, trend that we um, we um, we prey on nature basically and we um, uh, often unconsciously and we take more than we give and so I wanted to do something about this um, and then I stumbled upon the concept of agroforestry mm. which is um, the art of uh, making a food forest um, or a productive ecosystem that will uh, uh, regenerate the soils, that will bring and fortify ecosystem and provide um, crops, um, mm -hmm. byproducts. Um, and, and I realized that it was uh, 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 two dreams basically that I could do in one shot. Uh, which was reforesting and uh, and uh, doing making cacao planting cacao and do this uh, cacao uh, adventure so so i found a, an abandoned farm on the other side of guatemala towards lake isabal it had been an industrial farm coffee farm so uh, a lot of uh, chemicals, a lot of um, basically um, only coffee and a few shade trees, but very sparse and only the same, uh, all the same. So it was monoculture, the soil was eroded, but it was the perfect climate for cacao, the perfect uh, place for cacao. And the size was good. Um, and uh, uh, it was in 2008 when the financial crash happened, so the price was good. So I decided to, uh, to jump on this opportunity and get the land and, and do this, um, this tree planting project. That was to be together with uh, cacao, and I wanted to do the something good for the environment and try to show that what I felt like doing could be actually feasible in this 2000 uh, in this 2000 on uh, modern society capitalist uh, for profit type of system and if you don't mind I'd like to kind of go back a little bit to you know how you came about coming to Guatemala like and what your experience of this capitalist system and this like you know because you grew up in Belgium I suppose I grew up in in Quebec City ah in Quebec in Canada okay very close I grew up near Toronto and so you know in in that kind of culture and in that in uh I mean, I was born in the 90s, but like before that, it must have been a real push to to capitalize and to profit and to grow. And I, I don't, maybe you were 
I, I, I studied finance in McGill University. Okay. I worked for the Royal Bank. Okay. So you were in I that. was doing this. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I was convinced that it was important and the thing to do. Mm. And when I realized that uh, it didn't really make me happy, then I changed. Basically, I went for traveling. And what was there a specific thing that like triggered that? I that didn't like. Or? I didn't like. I was planning on traveling. I didn't know what to do. I I was I was earning money doing something I didn't like. Mm. And I actually I'm not a consumer personally. I don't like to buy things. It's I don't see the point. So. So I had this salary and I didn't know what to do with the money. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't like to go spending at the time it was to buy CDs, for example, or um, music. Everybody had the same. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't want to do this. Huh? So I thought that maybe I'm going to buy art things. And, and I've found that it was also not such a, I mean, I'm not attracted uh, to do, to hoard painting, whatever. Yeah, so I just to possess decided to, and... I decided to go for the experience. Huh? When traveling, uh, and that uh, opened my mind, I guess, uh, yeah. uh, different, see different cultures, uh, how uh, other people live, mm -hmm. uh, other places. So, so, so I decided uh, that basically here is, um, I mean, I had this moment of, of um, really feeling strongly I needed to, to be here. I wanted to be here and, uh, and that was after an experience that made me realize that uh, we as uh, human beings um, uh, can decide to follow or uh, imp not impulses but or inspirations or um, what makes us what we feel we want to do and not necessarily what we think we want to do or what we've been conditioned uh, to say this is what you must do you know or this is the only sensible way of living life I think travel also for me was a very necessary way of, of breaking down that, that understanding of life and saying, oh, actually, there's so much possibility. There's so many options. And, uh, and there's room in this web of life for me to also hone in on what I, you know, I'm drawn to, my curiosity, my passion, which um, we're, you know, speaking for myself, we're, we're told like, oh, yes, you should do something you love. And... You know, you're a lucky generation, you have all the opportunity, which uh, is true in a sense, but we also have a lot of um, momentum and a lot of things that are pushing us down a, yes. a, a course that is pretty catastrophic in, in many ways, to just be a bit vague. But uh, this is kind of what led me to just to jump out there. And, uh, and thankfully, I've been able to meet people like you who are have been you know at it for a lot longer than I have and have already put in a lot of work and a lot of time and building the foundation for 
you know how to move forward and and uh, well to do this well i think you need a certain dose of um, what you could call faith it's this trust this belief that um, things are going to work mm. that uh, you you won't uh, die starving by yourself uh, in a remote under the tree whatever place you know uh, but this is the central fear that kind of keeps people in line. It's like you don't want to That's be a failure why I'm talking because you'll, about them. Yeah, you'll end up exactly desperate, homeless, uh, in a desolate situation. Uh, this for me is key. If you have uh, faith in, in, in this reality that it's basically uh, we're adapted to it, we made it to um, uh, be here and uh, and it's a beautiful world mm -hmm. and we're not uh, threatened nothing urgent is going on in in general so uh, so you can sit back a little bit more and be inspired look around and and feel connected and and once you feel good you're gonna have an inspiration and this is what you you one can follow and be happy following and be good at it mm. you know and so the brain doesn't do that the brain uh, helps you to uh, to select how to do it but not what to do mm. you know the brain ha helps you analyze okay if the destination is this then we should take this step and this step Okay, you can go with the brain for these type of decisions sometimes. Mm. But in general, when you have a feeling, this is more important. I believe we're, our brains, we're not intelligent, capable enough to understand all the scope of this reality in general. And, when, and our emotional intelligence is actually way more, how to say, uh, far-reaching and can guide us better. Mm. And, and when you do this, you're in the flow, you have all these opportunities arising. You know, when I decided to uh, not work in, in, in the finance uh, sector and be in a little hill in Guatemala, I, I had no real plan. I felt uh, that's what I had to do, I wanted to do, and, I, and then believe it. Okay, it's actually okay to follow this instinct or lead or... I've been so happy and, and led into uh, doing things that I hadn't imagined. Mm. I'm smiling most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, to imagine up... Also integrating into another culture you know, and learning the language, learning the customs and and figuring out a way that you can work together and and support and be supported by. And this relational work, I think, is something that going to a different place and, you know, and a whole, you know, it's, it's a challenge for sure. But it's um, I think there's also a great potential in that. And well, we, we come and many times from the west to uh, other cultures 
and uh, we see our superiority in technology and most of the time in uh, in um, education like mathematics and things like this uh, but but the these other cultures have developed uh, other things uh, that we actually lack um, in general yeah like the enjoying the moment type of thing yeah. uh, like uh, roots and so um, maybe we we're very strong in in certain aspects of uh, life on earth mm -hmm. but we're missing also some parts and so this encounter is very important and it's um, uh, beneficial to to you only when you don't come up come from higher and look down at them and say poor people they don't have the new iphone it's ridiculous yeah they i mean that was i think a, a huge lesson that i was lucky to get by traveling and studying in africa over some months when i was 21 was to spend time in communities and village there and see community and see happy people waiting two hours in a line for water, you know, and forget about technology, but just like, you know, the joy of being that, that was so present in, 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 in like the, also the angelic voices that I heard people singing and some of the dancing. And I, I don't know, it just was like a real, Beautiful human beings, huh? Yeah. Happy, uh, uh, good, well in their bodies. And together, you know, uh -huh. like together in a way that I think has been totally lost in the, the Western industrialized individualists, you know, way of moving forward. But like, you know, that has basically left people isolated, you know, totally separated and... Uh, and that, I think, is something that, as human beings, we, we, can't, uh, we can't live well, we can't be inspired, we can't connect with our joy and with our passion and make uh, you know, beautiful things happen if we're um, in some ways trapped in our own. So this is um, very true. You're talking about cultures, different cultures. Um, so we have to... Uh, realize they're there and they can inspire us and we can be inspired and and learn things from those other cultures but it's it's the same with nature mm. in the, the natural realm is actually very inspiring and and full of knowledge and full of uh, strange molecules and whatever plants and uh, as this type of wisdom that we haven't understood completely yet. Huh? Mm -hmm. And so as we go destroying uh, other cultures, huh? not necessarily uh, on purpose, but our system is doing this. Huh? Uh, we also go destroying the environment huh? and this will lead us huh? uh, in a very sad place, you know. And so, so we still can do that, uh, change our course, influence uh, to, to um, uh, have a society that recognizes the value of nature and the value of other cultures. So.
and that we're not isolated from nature, but that our, yes. we are a part of it. And so therefore, like the destruction of nature, which has been done as a means of growing economies and growing GDP and more materials and all this stuff, like it's, it's very clearly put us put us up against uh you know uh, an edge or a threshold of like okay either we're going to <laughs> go down and take a, a lot of life with us and we're already in the process of like a mass extinction that's happening through these shifting elements of the environment that's kind of you know uh accelerating at a faster and faster pace and so it's it's in the one hand, it's really necessary to recognize as much as possible to be conscious about the... So the, so the one basic of capitalism, of our system act now, is um, its necessity to grow. Infinite growth. Infinite growth, and, and we measure our GDP and all this with growth, our economies with uh, numbers. Um, this we have to change. We have to shift our focus from uh, things and numbers to feelings, happiness, services, relationships. Um, I mean, I'm all for growth and, uh, and all these gadgets. It's really nice. I, I'm, I'm thrilled when we send a robot to Mars, you know, I think, wow, those people are incredible, you know. This is part of human history, this is part of human life, and creativity, these scientists in, um, in NASA or in other places, they do their creation like this, mm. fantastic. But what you're talking about is addressing the underlying values that yes. we're, that is motivating, and you know, and also determines what we do with this technology, what we do with this ability to manipulate and and use, you know, energy. It's exactly. like exactly, we have all this power, we have all these technologies, and yet we're miserable most of the time. And I see uh, statistics with so many people on pills, depressed. Everybody's stressed, but we've never been so rich. So, so really what would be, I think, very important is to sit back, relax, look around and feel, look for inspiration, feel inspired and then follow this. Mm. Then from there, we can uh, realize that we don't need so many things. We actually value things that will last long and not become trash a few days after. Uh, and, and reduce our impact on the environment. And so this is one, and also on the other cultures that we kind of enslave in our system because we make them see all these gadgets and mm. they want it and then we, whatever, it's another subject. Um, but um, the way we, uh, we uh, deal with our environment, our relationship to it, it's always been one of extraction it's normal we come from very little humans and a lot of resource and uh, and we've started like this uh, chop down the trees made big cities and then uh, extract extract it's normal it's been part of our evolution we've been uh, as a society like like kids 
would take from their environment, their parents, their mother. Uh, and now I hope we're getting to a place where we're starting to realize uh, the impact of our actions, uh, of our ways. And, and it's time to, to recognize, for example, that a tree that is alive somewhere, it's a big tree, uh, it has actually real value. But our society now looks at this tree and says, okay, how many planks of wood can I get out of it? So we only see the use of what we can get out of it, but we don't recognize that actually, actually leaving it there uh, has many benefits. Yes. Benefits for uh, erosion control, the, the, uh, just soaking up CO2, uh, families, um, how to say, um, uh, animals, birds, ecosystem yeah, all, this, all the surrounding plants and the communities this has a real value mm -hmm. also just looking at a nice big tree is nice but this is real this is a real value it's like this architectural thing that i was telling you before we we wanted to make things beautiful well a tree and most of people will say oh wow what a big tree what a nice tree it's nice to be uh, below its shade well, all this has a real value. And when we have this extraction mentality, we don't see this value. And so we think we can cut the tree, sell the wood, and, and there is only what economists say, an externality. The externality is the tree is not there, it's cut, but we can't really calculate its value when it was alive. So it's an externality. We don't count it because the we cannot costs. quantify yeah. it. Huh? Well, it's time to start changing this mentality because the, the real value of this wood was much more than just the cost of chopping it down. Yeah, much more alive than dead. Uh-huh. For sure. And so the way that you've found in your experience and your path to to change this mentality because you must have also been indoctrinated in it, studied it, you know, internalized all those things and then had this moment where you realized, okay, this is not, uh, this is not doing it for me. This is not the life I want to live. And you've gone in a different direction, you know, and started to understand and shift these values. And so in your personal experience, how did that, you know, what was the, the elements and the, the ingredients that then we could extrapolate to. Well, the, I had a, a, a few very powerful experiences, uh, but uh, that, that made me uh, basically see, I would say, become conscious, so kind of open my eyes, realize that um, um, that we're, we're spirits in, in flesh. Huh? Mm. We're not just uh, machine robots, uh, flesh robots, you know, mm -hmm. that are programmed in some ways. We have our consciousness, huh? and this really does exist. 
and we have to take it into account and when we realize this who i am i i'm actually feeling something and and when you allow yourself to do this uh, and you put importance in what you feel and this subtle uh, voices or uh, feelings you can you can have um, uh, you start taking better decisions basically that are not just uh, mathematics or what's the from the from the brain uh. mm -hmm. uh, but this requires uh, to to put to put importance um, in what we feel mm. to value to that to value that and think wow if i feel it and i and i don't uh, listen i'm actually wasting um kind of opportunity or um or a bit of of your life um, or a part of yourself um, that you're ignoring and and then make, makes us uh, unhappy so it's it's really by attuning to like our inner experience that then will naturally guide us to yes i think we have it all we know we i mean sometimes we're completely off balance and we don't know anything and we don't feel anything no but but when you're in this uh, uh the, these moments where you feel peace and you're happy and and things are perfect around you that you have these moments of um, more serenity where you can raise your head and look f further away and have a feeling of uh, what's your journey mm. how it should be like eh? And finding your journey, because your I think journey. what happens to a lot of us is that we're put on on the the highway, the route, you know, and it's like, go, go, go as fast as you can get the nicest car or whatever the the dream of, of, of the success that's on that way. But it's not, you know, any one of ours ways. This it's is our running system. towards the coffin. You run, speeding you run, towards speeding, it. and then you, why? Well, what's the point? Huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sit back, uh, look at the traffic, and, and start wondering. You know. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you could try like me. I, I take take off my shoes and walk in the forest, and you know, exactly. carve your way through and find in that journey the, the what speaks to you and what calls you. And for me, you know, this journey south has been. I mean, it's just started, but it's been an overwhelming affirmation of, you know, this this journey I'm on. It's like I I put the intention, I put the energy and I go and I don't think I don't plan much about it, you know, and and then I land and it's like I'm in a river. And so you just go with it and and the, the energy is flowing. And so it's really a it's about tuning in and, and, and sensing. And this, for me, requires a bit of faith. Definitely. <laughs> a bit of faith, not necessarily in some type of religion, but they always, most religion point to the same thing. It's this, um, this creation that is not separated from us. And when we're in the flow, uh, things work really well. It's made for it, you know. 
And so you need a bit of faith to trust this is made for it. It's well done. It works. You don't need the highway. <laughs> no, but that that I think faith, it's like uh, it's like almost like an exponential thing where you start to give that and you get back, you know, more than you can imagine, you know, more than you could plan ahead of time. And uh, and so this trust often is met with with uh, opportunity, I guess, is the way to put it. But also the feeling, the good feeling, you know, I. I I've been so grateful. I've been in St. Marcos now one week and I've been so grateful to be so integrated and see all the the different people who have gathered here and all the amazing work and service they're doing and it's so concentrated and I can walk everywhere and just like you know have these connections and then you know come up and and see places like this and and uh and so yeah for me I'm so sure that I, that I'm that I'm in the right place and and uh, and that also that this is this is my place where I can also offer my service not only learning myself but trying to to get these lessons to be widespread and to get all this concentrated energy not just you know for the gratification and the enjoyment of of what's happening here but also that this is interconnected with everything else that's happening and that you know we are not isolated even our in our beautiful communities but that you know this is this is a part of a movement that is global and that uh, and that we need to consciously recognize that as we act here mm. you know because this is where we could do stuff you know here is where I found a permaculture project which immediately spoke to me as like okay we have dead soil we have needs for food and we have needs for definitely dealing with the compost you know all of this uh yeah, all yeah. this organic matter which is like right now not efficiently being managed to to be given back to the soil as our you know duty for what we're consuming and enjoying from this natural environment and uh and i'm a student of permaculture i've done some studies but you know it's it's for me uh, such a blessing that there are uh, people like yourself here who have much more experience much more um knowledge of from the doing you know, and so uh, I really appreciate you being here and, and taking the time with me and and whatever, you know, advice you could offer us in the in the garden and seeing, you know, your process with the cacao agroforestry project that you also got, you know, depleted dead soil from a monoculture and from the seams of it in 10 years, I, I would love to actually see like the transformation that's possible because I know it is. It and is possible. Uh, the the compost and the, what you've been mentioning, that dead soil. This is uh, this is where society, when it it's blindfolded as it is now, this is where we're going. Dead soil, wasted, uh, dead mat uh, organic matter on the side no connection, everything separated. Um, this is what needs to be uh, tweaked. You know, it's not so difficult. I mean, it's not like this concept of permaculture and agroforestry. There are cultures and people who've done it 
thousands of years ago. I mean, we're actually rediscovering techniques that, uh, for example, this biochar, I don't know if you've heard of this. Uh, Burnham talked about uh, In, uh, in uh, the Amazon, they, ca they called it, uh, well, the new name is Terra Prieta or algo, something like this. Uh, it's the, this, for example, this culture in the Amazon who, uh, who made patches of the Amazon so rich, the soil so rich, by just putting their um, uh, char, you know, char like charcoal. from charcoal, in a sp certain way, adding this to the soil, and boom, changed everything. Well, there are techniques like this biochar, it's a new trend, but it's thousands of years old. Mm. It's not not been applied because because we have this capitalist system that where there are huge entities, companies that profit from uh, the soil not being healthy. Because when the soil is not healthy, they can sell you more of their products. To, to still keep growing things, you know, to like really squeeze all, you know, and pump it with fertilizers and, and, and pesticides, like. And so these are not mainstream because of this. And, and we have to realize in our universities, we have uh, professors who uh, in most universities, they are focused on research. So, so the professors, they teach their, their classes, but their main job is to do research. And to do research, they need funding. And so what's happening in the um, uh, pharmacy, um, this pharmacology, and in this uh, agriculture is that these fields are dominated by huge companies that have all the money and finance research about their products and their things. And, uh, and so they say to the university professors, uh, the researchers, oh, we have money to research this. And so the university professors do it and, and, uh, and earn their living from money from their, these companies who are against the organic way and against these uh, ways that would not be profitable for them. So, so those techniques are not really taught and explained in uh, uh, engineering or pharmacy because it's not finance. Mm. It's not profitable for those who finance. Right. But it can be profitable for those who don't finance, like the farmers, for example, mm -hmm. who are kind of struggling to make ends meet, mm -hmm. uh, following this system of, of, uh, of chemicals and big corporation products. And I have uh, almost nothing to say right now. The farmers at the, are at the bottom of the chain, you know, they're like the, the slave of societies. And uh, I mean, come on, it's the most important thing. And, and if they struggle to make ends meet, uh, 
they not they don't have the energy to look further away and have the capital to to do as they would really like and how they think it would work better mm. and they're they're being trained by people who out of the university who tell them oh i've studied this and this this little bag will fix your problem uh, and then the system works like this um, mm. But the good news is, it's not so complicated to do otherwise. It's not so complicated to um, to uh, to make a soil, to let the soil become alive again. Mm. You know, it's not so complicated. And then things work better. But it takes time. It takes uh, also a lot of, uh, uh, how to say, commitment and energy. Mm. Um, and so this brings me to to the to agroforestry. We started talking about this. Um, um, so what we did on the farm it was abandoned. So so the coffee plantation was basically. Uh, uh, below uh, we um, how to say below big weeds and kind of jungle and no trees because it had only been a few years but weeds yeah. <clears throat> and so we cleaned it out um, with machete chopping chopping um, and leaving dropping all the stuff there yes huh? um, it's an expensive thing to do because uh, uh, if you spray, if you spray, um, uh, for example, uh, Roundup or one of these weed killers, um, it goes much faster than chopping, and uh, it's much more efficient. Basically, the problem is that uh, studies clearly show that the richness of tropical soil is not in the soil but in the plant growth above it and that when there is dead leaves and dead wood and dead material basically that goes back to the soil it is being digested very quickly back into the other plants mm. and so the richness of the soils are in what's growing above so if you prevent things from growing You have the erosion takes it all, and the soil becomes poorer and poorer, and eventually desert. And eventually desert. Huh? So, just this concept of weed killer is is something that is absolutely disastrous for tropical lands. Hmm. Um, then the fertilizers. Hmm? So. So, when when I chop the weed, and I have a little bit of mulch of weed on top of my of my field, I'm very happy because I know that this is my fertilizer. This is the dead matter, the organic matter that is going to decompose. But it cannot decompose in a good way without the microorganisms that do that. Mm. And these microorganisms are in generally killed by well fungicides 
and um, pests, pesticides. pesticides in general, and also from the chemical fertilizer that you, that we put on. You know, um, how to say it in uh, in very simple terms? Uh, the microorganism eat the dead uh, plants, uh, organic matter. Get some also from uh, from the soil some um, uh, some minerals, and they basically uh, excrete nutrients for the plants. To, to be absorbed. So uh, if they're not there, the process of decomposition is not happening the same way and, and, and the nutrients from the dead plants, matters, are not getting to, to the soil to be absorbed by whatever is living there. Mm. So um, so it's important. That's one of the reasons why you don't want to to put so much um, fertilizers, huh? yeah, because the chemical type, because it's killing also these um, uh, microorganisms that are so important. Um, we have to realize that that nature is is done is made to produce it's abundant you know but but when we but it's a cycle and when you cut chop pieces of the cycle out then it doesn't turn like it should you know and so uh, the principle of regenerative agriculture is to to look at what's going on of the nature process and, and try to work a way that can be productive for you, but works for nature. Mm. And this is like kind of the collaboration, even getting back to what we talk about when we travel and meet different cultures. It's exactly. like the respect and the recognition that there is a, a richness and a lot that's there and that we just need to find our way to, to support that and exactly. to join with that. Learn from it, integrate, integrate mm. this wisdom. And then we can have a big impact, like, uh, like the solutions of, you know, permaculture being a revolution and an evolution of how we can solve a lot of these problematic practices that have gained traction for profit or whatever, like, you know, how to support again the the mycelial networks and the microbes and this whole process is actually it's it's very it's very doable like with our hands and with each other with many hands and uh you know with using a bit of machinery like a wood chipper for example we can really put i think a lot of uh a lot of that uh, energy back into the cycle and revamp it because we need we need it revamped otherwise it's it's all these techniques exist everything is there we just need to do it mm. it's uh, as you say uh, once we uh, realize that the knowledge is there and it it can it wants to happen by itself almost uh, just just have to let it be and and, and give it some of the Things that in general we chopped away already, giving it back to the system 
to make it work perfectly. Uh, but we have big um, uh, difficulties. For example, most of the seeds, most of the grafts of uh, fruit trees and things like this, they have been selected from decades, decades, decades of selection for producing um, uh, plants that are more looking good than resistant or um, uh, or flavor good, mm. because the system knows that we buy with our with our our eyes. Yes. You know, and so who wants an imperfect tomato or an imperfect? It 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 it's there at the end of the day. The supermarkets don't sell it, almost for sure. So uh, so they want perfect fruits and vegetables, so, so they can sell it, and so they tell the uh, the the agro businesses, look, that's what we need, and so. This all starts from the consumer, you know, who's willing to accept maybe something or, or with just more knowledge. Who will know that these type of tomatoes, although they look weird, they're much more flavorful, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and, and they must be with, consumed in season, exactly. you know, <laughs> not like just always there the same, you know, like it's... It is, I think this is something that is, is definitely happening, you know, the awareness of eating fruits and vegetables in the season and going to local farmers markets or organic markets and like, there's definitely awareness around that building up. However, but this is the, what you just say is very important to connect the people with the producers, no? mm -hmm. because often now they so disconnected everybody in their own bubble that um, people don't understand the producers, don't understand this, what I just said. Oh, they're pushed to make perfect tomatoes because nobody buys them. But if you buy it from this guy who's smiling and explains you the story of his garden, you're going to love the twisted carrot and uh, what not tomato and and their veggies that have this shape but because you're buying the story and and you have this connection to this person and then you can understand the value of it and uh, and it makes you happy in general to do that and nourishes your body nourishes your body more and permits this um farmer this to to do a good job you know and so, and so we really have to connect, you know, know thy farmer is a very important concept. Huh? Know where your food comes from. Yes. Huh? And not only in food, but, you know, that's definitely, definitely a great it's place a to start. start huh? yeah. <laughs> food and water. Yes. Yeah. Know where your water comes from also and where, where your shit goes. Like, I think this is. So in, in our system, uh, our products, uh, we try to go through this concept of knowing our clients, uh, the customers, the people who will enjoy our products, for mostly cacao. 
because uh, we have a story to tell them. And they crave to know the story and where and the source of what they're consuming and makes them happy. And, and this permits us to skip the intermediaries who many times make much, much more money mm-hmm. without really produ- providing a real service. Just, just uh, yes. But it sounds easy just to take from one side and sell it to the other. But there might be three or four different, you know, people a, who are involved in that process. You know? There's quite a lot also, uh, quite a lot of moving things and getting to sell the thing to the client. So it's, there is a place for, uh, for people to do that, but they have to know this. Is they have to basically recognize the value of the work of the farmer and say, yes, this farmer is producing this product. It comes from there, and tell that to the customer. But even so that better, the customer can see the chain, and, and for this, us, it's very important because it permits us to sell it for real value, and not be squished. I tell you, I came, I was, I studied finance, I worked in a bank, and I became eventually farmer, and and it's two end of the chain. One is at the bottom, one is at the top. Huh? Mm, for now. And the farmer uh, is not being uh, compensated fairly in general for the effort and the amount of work that is being produced. And so this pushes the farmer towards cheaper and easier commercial, chemical, not so healthy agriculture. And when you give attention to the farmer and pay a fair price, uh, there is means and uh, and uh, and and uh, capacity to do a better agriculture, and then everybody becomes more healthy, and the natural na- natural world can be uh, can be uh, respected. Well, this is definitely a very beautiful work, and I'm so happy to, especially in these last years, have connected more with farmers and people who are, you know, on the frontier of this resurgence, this remembering about how to do this in a healthy way, in a way that's, that is regenerative and, you know, nourishing our bodies, nourishing the soil, nourishing also our hearts because we connect. And what's better than sharing a beautiful meal, you know, of delicious food that, you know, you can see where it's grown or you maybe pick some of, some of it from the garden. I mean, these have been some of the most powerful experiences I've had in the last years. And, and the directness of that, I mean, even if people are living in cities, now we have communication and internet that can allow us to direct connect directly exactly. with people. Even over great distances, people can go on and if they want your cacao and, uh, you know, they're able to to hear the story and maybe even see uh, some some of what is actually being produced here and, and buy it directly from you. And, and I think this is what we also need to support more, as well as being local. Local is great, but if you don't have access to cacao and you want to have some of the, you know, best, cacao ever also to consume consciously you know then then there are ways i think that we can we can do this so for example right so this morning this um this gaston from new york who has a brewing um 
brewing business uh, is asking for more cacao for his cafe, for his brewing uh, um, company. So he just contacts me and I'm putting in bags, shipping to him. He's happy to, to uh, uh, tell his clients and his people uh, the, the story of the cacao as he does for his coffee and his other uh, ingredients and people uh, I guess enjoy it more you know and it gives all of us uh, suppliers a direct stream of income that makes it worth our while to do a better product mm. wonderful well, all I can say is yes. all the all the power to you in in continuing down this line, and you're very much your inspiration is inspiring, uh, inspiring me and many other people I'm sure to uh, to find our way back to our roots and and. Uh, well, we kind of have to do it, huh? and as quick as possible. I have the impression people talk about these uh, um, uh, climate change. We have, uh, on our hands, we have a biodiversity collapse. This is, I think, even worse. Huh? Because when we, the chains of uh, an, the animal and um, fauna and flora realms are not working well, then we're really going to realize we're part of it. <laughs> and it's going to hurt. We have, and how sad to have all these uh, animal and species disappear. We, we can do better. We really can. Uh, agroforestry is a way that we, where we can bring back biodiversity, fight climate change, and produce first-class products. So I, I really urge many, as many people as possible, look it up, and it's possible to be planting forests and and make an income without having to chop it down. Well said. And uh, also, maybe you could say where people can find, uh, you know, your school or your farm or your cacao or, you know. Well, look at us at DalileoCacao.com. Dalileo? Dalileo is the name of uh, our cacao and our products. Mm -hmm. And we have a website uh, also on, on Facebook. Dalileo Cacao. And that's the name of the, the farm also? Where no, you... the farm is called Finca El Porvenir, and it's in the Polochic Valley in Guatemala, mm -hmm. uh, close to Teleman. It's a little town over there. Uh, it's not easily accessible. We are completely off the grid, produce our own electricity. We have uh, our free range animals. Uh, and it's possible to um, to come and visit in groups. So maybe. Yeah, and look I saw some posters. You also you do teachings there. You do permaculture design courses, or. Uh, I haven't been doing this. I'm busy basically farming, oh, okay. but organizing a group, um, I can teach. Uh, but I I don't want to do the marketing, etc., and organizing right. organizing it myself. If there is a group interested, I can I can teach them. Wonderful. Okay. Well, again, thank you very much for taking time to speak with me, and thank you so much for having me. <laughs>
I hope you all enjoyed that conversation. It's been nice listening back to it for me now that it's been over a month and a half since I met Lorenzo. And uh, these last days, I've been speaking a lot with Lorenzo because I happen to be uh, not quite stuck, but, uh, you know, like the whole world right now, uh, things are shut down. Everyone's retreating to their own space and... uh, without even realizing it I kind of arrived at his farm just as the door closed and the transportation here in Guatemala is shut down for two weeks and no one's supposed to be going anywhere and uh, we're very far removed here from uh, civilization in many ways just in the mountains with the insects you can hear and all the trees and There's a bunch of ducks waddling around right in front of me. And yeah, the the discussion has shifted quite a bit among me and Lorenzo since we first met. We've gotten uh, much deeper into topics of sustainability, how to live beyond uh, this system that is collapsing and... uh, and in crisis and in panic and uh, we're finding many positive lessons of life here that uh, we're excited to share so to keep this up to date uh, right now the plan is for us to be uploading agroforestry videos if you have the possibility of watching virtual reality like you have a headset or um, one of these cardboard things that lets you view it on your smartphone you can uh, you can get a peek in to what life is like out here and how Lorenzo has uh, made this farm to be uh, self-sustainable and uh, yeah to be a kind of paradise away from uh, pandemic. But as with everything, there's uh, a big need for collaboration, and so here the next uh, step, and I think the important step people everywhere now is to start to organize and find their people find their community who they're really going to ground down with and uh, and start if they haven't already laying the foundations for uh, for self-reliance communities and uh, co-created systems that are localized and can provide for the real needs of our lives I hope you're all well out there. If you're listening to this uh, and you're stuck at home, well, you don't have to see it as being stuck, actually. You can uh, see it as an opportunity to uh, reflect on the trajectory of life and, uh, and to you know, really start to make shifts and changes in how, you, um, how you're approaching life, as I think we're all doing now change is uh coming and is happening as we speak very fast and uh it's a good time to come together and to witness the wild wisdom all around us thank you for tuning in i'll be uploading regularly so i look forward to keeping this dialogue alive much love